Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Jonathan Mikesell. Following Jesus together. That's the theme of our uh, study over the next, throughout this year, there are going to be several different series that are going to focus on that idea of following Jesus together. And if you, um, if you are part of our weekly email uh, announcements that come from the church, and just as a quick aside, if you are not, if you don't get a Wednesday announcement email and a Friday prayer email, I want to encourage you to reach out to Amy Miller in our church office, and she'd be happy to make sure that you're included on that email. Uh, but if you are part of that email, you received an email late yesterday uh, with some news from our co-pastor, Becca Bruner, uh, letting you know that her dad, who has been ill for some time, uh, passed away early yesterday. And so uh, the plan was for Becca to be preaching here this morning, um, and instead I'm here to talk a little bit about this idea of sharing Jesus, walking with Jesus, following Jesus together. Um, as, as Becca shared in her email to those of you, again, who saw that yesterday, um, her dad has been suffering with Lewy body dementia for about five years, and his health had been in rather steep decline, particularly over the last year. Uh, Becca was able to go out to Oregon about two weeks ago and was able to spend time with her dad and with her mom and her sister. Uh, had a chance to, to basically say goodbye to him there, but it has been a really, really tough time. And about a, a week ago, the hospice nurse uh, reached out to, to Becca and her family and let them know that, that essentially that her dad's death was imminent and that, um, that he was really in his last days. Uh, and they were able to communicate over the last week uh, their love, their care, and their concern for him. And this was a couple of the sentences that Becca wrote in that note. I wanted to read it to all of you, particularly I know that some of you do not have that email. She wrote this, Because the symptoms of his disease caused no small amount of suffering for dad, we've been praying that Jesus would take him home sooner rather than later. And so now, even as we grieve his loss, we are grateful that dad is free and healed and fully home with his Savior in heaven. Um, so as a result of that, uh, Becca is actually flying to Oregon today uh, to be with her mom and with her sister. Um, she and her family will go back to Oregon in a couple of weeks when they're able to have uh, prepared for a memorial service, uh, particularly in the church that her dad was the pastor for over 20 years. And we just want to encourage you and ask you to please keep Becca and her family in your prayers. I know that they will greatly appreciate that. Uh, the support that you've shown to them um, during this time has been greatly appreciated. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, last week, Becca preached the first of a two-part series on this theme, following Jesus together. And the focus last week was on the first two of those words, following Jesus. We were reminded in that part of the title of the invitation that is ours to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And today the focus was to go to that last word, together. What does it mean to follow Jesus together? to be a part of the body of Christ, to share together as followers of Jesus in the various trials and circumstances and situations, both good and bad, of life. Um, and the plan is that Becca will preach that sermon next week. Uh, that's the plan, at least at this point. Uh, but today we're going to move in just a slightly different direction, still following in this idea of following Jesus together, 
But in light of the circumstances that, that Becca encountered today, and frankly, in the light of circumstances that many of you face um, this week, last month, throughout this year, um, as I look around the room today, I know that Becca's not alone in facing loss. Becca's not alone in facing grief. Becca's not alone in, in facing these times of trials. We all face them from time to time. And the question becomes, what does it mean for us to be the body of Christ together in the midst of the real world circumstances and situations of life? How do we bring Jesus into those situations? What impact does Jesus make when we face pain or when we face joys? And how can we bring comfort and encouragement to one another in the midst of those circumstances? Well, to help us to answer some of those questions, we're going to follow Jesus into a very real-world experience that he had. Like us, Jesus faced death, even death of some very close friends. He knew the pain that they experienced and that we experience. And in doing so, he, he sets for us a beautiful example of how we are invited to share the gift of God's presence, the gift of compassion for one another, and to point to God's ultimate gift of resurrection. And so I'm going to read this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. This is, we're reading out of the message uh, version for, for these couple of weeks in this series. And so I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 of John, chapter 11. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with romantic oils, aromatic oils, and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Master, the one that you love so very much is sick. And when Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. And after the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Then moving ahead to, chapter, to verse 17. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was very near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away. And many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. And Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. And Jesus said to him, Your brother will be raised up. But Martha replied, I know he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. And after saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, Mary jumped up and ran out to him. 
Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing, and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled within him, and he said, Where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. But others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. But Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe and with a kerchief over his face. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Jesus and his followers they really did share life together. That seems like an obvious statement. But sometimes I think we can read through Scripture and we can almost get a detachment from it and forget that it's recounting actual historic events and actual historic times. And that Jesus and his followers really did live together and share life together on a regular basis. Meaning, when they got to the end of the day and they were sitting around the fire, they could share the highlights of that day when things went really, really well. And they could share together that day the, the person that was really annoying during the midst of their travels, or that difficult thing that had come up in the middle of the work that they were doing. It's, it's easy for us to sometimes sort of gloss over Scripture and, and miss the reality of the in, events and, and ev activities that are described there. And in this passage, we are reminded of a very, very real set of circumstances in which Jesus and his followers and his friends faced the very real realities of life. They recognize life together. And in experiencing life together in a, in a very trying time, Jesus offered gifts, offered gifts to Mary Martha, to their family during this very challenging time. And, and those gifts are extended to us today as reminders as we seek to be followers of Christ, following Jesus together. How did Jesus help Mary and Martha as they experienced this death of their brother? Well, the first gift that he gave to them, the first thing that he offered them, I want to suggest to us this morning was the, the gift of his presence. He offered his presence with them. Now, a careful reading of this passage may make this point seem a little bit odd. After all, one of the clearest critiques of Jesus, both from Mary and Martha, uh, both individually, was that Jesus had not come to them soon enough. 
If only he had not delayed, perhaps he could have arrived before Lazarus had died. Therefore, uh, sparing them the agony that they had experienced over the preceding several days. But Jesus had other things in mind. He knew what was going to happen at Lazarus' tomb. And so a delay was necessary to accomplish God's plan. But it was only a delay. Because even with that delay, Jesus still made his way to be with Mary and Martha during their incredible time of difficulty. His friends were in need, and Jesus was going there to be with them. This came at personal peril. The, the 10 verses or so that we, that we moved over this morning are uh, an interaction between Jesus and some of his disciples who were encouraging him not to go down to Bethany because it was really close to Jerusalem. And they knew that there were a lot of religious leaders in Jerusalem who were looking for just the opportunity to end Jesus's life. This was not a simple task to go down and spend time with Mary and Martha. And yet Jesus saw it as vitally important for his ministry, to be there with them during this time. And the impact of his presence is readily available as we read this passage. True, the first words out of Mary and Martha's mouths were really complaints about Jesus' delay. But they clear, quickly and clearly show a desire to, to recognize and be receptive to his presence and to be appreciative of that fact. There was something about having Jesus with them that brought comfort and aid in their great time of need. And this morning, as we join with brothers and sisters in Christ, going through all sorts of times of crisis, one of the greatest gifts that we are invited to offer is the gift of our presence. Whether it's the death of a loved one, long days in the hospital or nursing home, a difficult medical diagnosis, those can feel like incredibly lonely events, only compounded by the last year and a half of, of COVID and separation that it has brought. Having others with us during those times can be an incredible encouragement. Now, I know one of the difficulties with that, one of the hang-ups that we often raise in many of our, in our minds when we hear something like that is that we feel so inadequate at those kinds of times, not knowing what to say or what to do. But here's the thing. You don't really have to say or do anything. There's no real right way to respond. Just being there, just expressing genuine care and concern, that's what we're invited to do. And that's what can make an incredible difference. Many of you have shared that kind of example and have received that kind of example. Whether you're one of our deacons who have extended presence and care through phone calls and notes in the mail or emails, whether it's one of the many of you who have taken meals to those in need or have given a ride to a doctor's appointment, or those of you who have sat in waiting rooms or visited nursing homes or done countless other ways of just being the presence of God in those times of difficulty and crisis. You have been the hands and the feet of Jesus. You have been examples of what it means to follow Jesus together. The first gift that Jesus extended to Mary and Martha was the gift of his presence. But he didn't stop there. Jesus also shared in their grief during this very incredibly dark and difficult time. And in doing so, he offered them the gift of empathy and the gift of compassion. Now, whenever I read that passage, we get to verses 34 and 35, 
And perhaps you stumble over those verses like I do. When it talks about Jesus seeing what's happening there, and it says that Jesus wept. He displayed outwardly care and concern for Mary and Martha and for their circumstance. And the reason, on the one hand, that doesn't seem particularly strange because Lazarus was his friend too, and he was no doubt feeling that pain at the moment. But Jesus also knew that in just a couple of minutes, he was going to bring Lazarus back to life. And given that reality, doesn't it seem a little bit strange that he would weep so openly in the midst of this circumstance? Well, there's not a real easy answer to to know exactly what's happening there, but it certainly seems that one of the reasons why Jesus wept so openly was because he recognized that in the moment, regardless of what was going to happen in the future, he recognized in the midst of that moment the pain and the difficulty that Mary and Martha were experiencing. And in that moment, he was with them. He joined them in that pain. And he offered the gift of empathy and the gift of compassion. Knowing that Jesus was hurting right there with them, no doubt had to be an encouragement to Mary and Martha, that Jesus wasn't just out there somewhere giving words to them, but he he felt their pain and was joining them in the midst of this circumstance. And as we think of that gift that we are invited to offer to those around us, that gift of empathy and compassion, this can be a little bit trickier sometimes than even the gift of our presence. Every situation is different And it's always dangerous for us to to go into a situation thinking that we know exactly what that person needs and that we can speak the words that will just fix the set of circumstances. Even if we've had similar circumstances, the specific experience that this other person is experiencing is, is going to be different. But that being said, we still are invited to extend compassion and to extend empathy. We can attempt to put ourselves in the shoes of the other, thereby offering that gift of comfort. We don't have to have the answers. In fact, we don't have the answers. But we're invited to come alongside and to feel that pain. And the fact is that while we haven't had the exact same experience, the circumstances of our lives when we have received that encouragement from God allow us to be a conduit to others of the compassion and love that God has for them. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1 kind of sums this up in this way. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. We should never enter a situation with an attitude that we have it all figured out and can fix the pain of the other person. But that doesn't mean that we are unable to bring our experiences to the situation and to humbly share the the relief, the comfort, and the care that God has extended to us. In so doing, we are joining Jesus. We are following Jesus, and we are doing it together. Jesus extended gifts of presence. He extended the gift of empathy and compassion to Mary and Martha. But even there, he wasn't finished. The last of his gifts was the greatest yet. Having encouraged Mary and Martha and expressed sorrow at their pain, Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus and called for the stone to be, that was covering it to be removed. Mary, Mary was astounded. 
It's been four days. He's been dead for four days. There's, there's going to be a stink. There's no hope. There might have been hope four or five days ago before he died. There, there might have even been a glimmer of hope after he died immediately that, that Jesus could come and do some miracle. But it's been four days. And at that point, there was no hope that anything could change. But Jesus wasn't deterred. He was present to give all who were watching a glimpse of the glory of God. So instead of cowering in fear, Jesus shouted out, Lazarus, come out. And with that, the dead man came walking from the tomb. At, when I was reading over that, I mean, it was kind of almost giving me goosebumps when you think about it. Here's a man who's been dead for four days. Jesus says the words and he comes walking out of that tomb. He, Jesus would resurrect himself in a very short period of time. But this was a demonstration that would point to his greatest gift, the gift of eternal life. Now I know what may be running through some of your heads. That is an amazing gift, that he, something that he did for Lazarus. But for the most part, other than Lazarus and Jesus, and I don't know, there might be, there's one or two other examples in Scripture, we don't normally see people come back to life in this life. So what comfort does this passage give? We recognize that not everyone who dies will come back to life in the manner that Lazarus did. And we certainly recognize that we can't make it happen like Jesus. So in one sense, this third gift is not something that we can bring into the pain of others. But here's the thing. It's not us who's bringing it into the pain of others. Jesus already has. By rising from the tomb after his crucifixion, Jesus has demonstrated his power and the hope that each one of us has eternal life. No, it doesn't mean that our lives will not end here on earth. The, the mortality rate on this earth other than Jesus is pretty close to 100%. But here's the thing. As God looks at this earth, God doesn't see only this earth. God's perspective is far greater than the perspective that we have when we look at whatever is right in front of us. By receiving the gift of forgiveness of sin, by accepting in faith God's offer of a new relationship with himself, we join in the hope of the ultimate resurrection. Yes, our earthly bodies will come to an end. But guess what? We're not bound by earthly rules. We serve a God of resurrection, and it's his resurrection that gives us hope, and that points to our own. If you've been here for a memorial service or a funeral service that I've been the, the pastor officiating, you've probably heard me say something similar to that in virtually every one of those services. Because when it comes right down to it, when we stand and when we, when we have a memorial service or a funeral service, we can talk about all the great things that that person did and all the great things that they accomplished and all the great ways that they impacted the world around them. But at the end of the day, there's really only one source of hope. It's not in what they did. It's in what Jesus Christ has already done. In rising from the grave and in offering us that gift of hope, that gift of eternal life in the very presence of God. That is the greatest gift that the world has ever seen and that we as followers of Christ can make known to one another and to the world around us. It's not something we can do for God. It's what God has done for us. And so we are invited. We're invited to follow Jesus together.
And that means sharing in the joys and triumphs of life. And that means sharing in the challenges and the heartaches of life as well. And in each of those, we are invited to join Jesus in sharing the gift of presence, being with those in times of trouble. We're invited to join Jesus sharing the gift of compassion, having empathy for and sharing in the pain of the other. And in all of these things, God offers us the gift of eternal resurrection, eternal life in God's very presence. No, that doesn't mean the elimination of pain here on earth, but it certainly gives it a very different perspective and it encourages us to join one another as together we follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful today that you have set for us this example. We're grateful today that you lived on this earth and in doing so, you experienced the highs and the lows of real life. And because of that, you understand what those experiences are like. And you set for us an example of how we are invited to respond. How we are invited to bring the presence, your presence, and to join in your presence in the midst of these circumstances. How we're invited to share your compassion and empathy with others. And how we're invited to remind one another of the great gift of eternal life that's found through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord God, this day we recognize that there are many in our midst who are going through that dark night, that dark day when they are feeling the reality of pain, of that difficult diagnosis, of that death in the family, of that trying time on the job, Whatever the circumstances and situation might be, they understand because they're experiencing that today. We lift them up to you, Lord God. We especially pray for Becca and for her mom and for her sister and for the rest of their family. We pray, Lord God, that in a very real sense, you would wrap your arms of love around them, remind them that they are not alone, that your care and your concern surrounds them, that your comfort and your peace surrounds them, they would know you are near. We are grateful, Lord God. We're grateful that you are with us. We're grateful that we can turn to you. We're grateful that we can trust in you and in the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. And we're grateful that together we can pray as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.